millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Alert the Air Force! It's time for Must Have Seen TV, the podcast dedicated to the sitcoms of the 20th century from I Love Lucy to News Radio. I'm your TV guide, Brett White, and I'm also a reporter producer for Decider.com. And this week I'm joined once again back in action by Sam Walker. Hello, Sam. Hello. Welcome back. We only do the grooviest of shows. That, that is true. <laughs> this is very groovy. This is, I mean, this is more groovy. You were previous on the Bewitched episode. Mm-hmm. I think episode 15 or 16. So it was back then. Go back and listen to it. Uh, we mostly just talk about how good the clothes were. Yeah, the, the clothes were better on Bewitched, I'd say. <laughs> For sure. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> so, I mean, let's just let's get into some shit then. Because, uh, oh, oh boy, this week I am so excited because uh, we are traveling to January 18th, 1974. The Exorcist ruled the box office. <laughs> Show and Tell by Al Wilson topped the charts. And ABC aired the Brady Bunch episode Out of This World. Sam, you must have seen Out of This World before today. I probably did. I can't recall it now. But, like, I watched so much Brady Bunch as a kid because you just watched what was on TV. And it was just on TV forever. Um, So I'm sure I saw it. But it was new to me today. I, it's, uh, what was I watching? There's something, like, we grew up in the 90s predominantly. Like, Mm -hmm. late 80s, early 90s. And the 90s has its own, so there's the 70s. -hmm. But then there's also how the 90s remembered the 70s is a separate thing that at times I am specifically nostalgic for the 90s' nostalgia for the 70s, which I think was way more specific and potent than like the 80s' nostalgia for the 60s or even like the aughts' nostalgia for the 80s. Yeah. I feel like the way the 90s, like loved the 70s. Well, it's... I And I can relate to this. Because oh, actually, yeah. watching this episode, those were outfits that, like, I wore in middle school. Yeah. Because my mom had held on to her stuff from the 70s, <laughs> and I was obsessed with it, and I wore it all the time. But then you could also go to the store, and, like, I had a pair of polyester neon green uh, crazy floral print pants with a matching yeah. neon green button-up polyester shirt, which is 100% a thing, like, Florence Henderson wore oh, at yeah. some point. There's like, I show. think... It's basically like the clothes are almost identical, except that the colors on the 90s were a lot more neon yes. and a lot more like... The colors were so much better. Like, uh, oh my oh my god, this show today, I... <sighs> <laughs> so I grew up watching... I feel like I grew up more aware of, I mean, to be TBH, my, some of my favorite comedies are the Brady Bunch movie and a very Brady sequel. Yes. For a long time, I will admit that in eighth grade... Uh, in, like, 1997, 1998, Harrison Ford, maybe on the tour for the Six Days, Seven Nights, when he, like, got an earring and was now... Was he with <laughs> Anne Heche at that point? Did yeah. he date Anne Heche? He did? Because he dated Anne Heche. Oh, he was dating Calista Flockhart. But, no, but then, he, after that, he dated Calista Flockhart. I know that Anne Heche was the co-lead in Six Days, Seven Nights. Yes. Anyway, during this time, he on this press tour, he was like, I didn't like playing Han Solo. I wanted him to die. <laughs> and my middle school heart... Was broken oh, because no. I lo- I idolized Harrison Ford. He was like my first. So anyway, I'm getting into all this because at that point when he said that, I was like, Empire Strikes Back is no longer my favorite movie. Oh. My favorite movie is a very Brady sequel. <laughs> <laughs> so so for a hot year or so, a very Brady sequel was my favorite movie. And I just watched it um, for work. Uh, both the movies hit Hulu at some point. I think they're probably off of it now. Oh. But when they hit Hulu and I was at work at Decider, I did a... A piece of, like, how the Brady Bunch movie is dual nostalgia now. Because mm-hmm. that movie is all about those 70s characters existing in grunge, alt-rock, yeah. 1995. 
But now you watch it 20 years after that, and it's like, oh, I'm nostalgic for the baseline reality that is 1995, but yeah. then also the nostalgia of the... It's so... Yes. Yeah. It's sort of like how... Uh, yeah, it's, it's like a Russian of, nesting doll of nostalgia. Yeah. It's funny because I actually made a note about about the the Brady the 90s Brady movies because I watched so much Brady Bunch as a kid, and it's sort of like... I, I always kind of knew it was terrible. Like, I never yeah. liked the show. It was just sort of like... It was on and familiar, and when you're a kid, it's like, okay, this is... Dumb, but fine. Yeah. And then when the Brady movies came out, I, I, I don't know, I must have been like, what, 10, 11, 12? Like yeah, that it was like 95, 96, they came out. Yeah, yeah, so I'm, yeah, I'm like 11, 12. Yeah. And I remember, like, you know, I'm, I'm no uh, media scholar at that point. Like, I don't know things. But I, I remember, like, getting it so clearly. Yeah. Like, it just made so much sense to me that, like... They're so I, good. Uh, that, it, that it was, like, the idea of... Because it's like, I knew as a kid that, like, the 70s weren't like this. The 60s yeah. and 70s were not like what the Brady Bunch no, was showing uh, me. No, I'm like, right now these listening. people are crazy. At like, this point, I am listening. In, in IRL right now, I'm listening to Slate's uh, Slow Burn, a podcast about Watergate. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah. So, basically, around the time this episode aired, yeah. Watergate was going on. Right. And we were, at that point, losing all of our faith in our institutions, which... You know, 40 years later, 45 yeah. years later. Things are totally different. Literally, that, I mean, like, side note, that podcast is insane because it is honestly like a Mad Libs version is of it? today. It's yeah. like Russia. It's the exact same. They did a whole episode about how they went to this bar in Queens that was staunchy for Richard Nixon. They were like, tapes literally came out of him saying all this stuff. And they're like, nope, we're still for him. This is, is just—it is kind of comforting to know that like we're not living in we're living in a terrifying time, but it's not actually a special time. We've done this yeah. before, so yeah. that's kind of comforting. Like we, hey, we're just getting know. a lot more information a lot quicker <laughs> all yeah, the time. All the time, and it's great. Um, <laughs> so it's funny to know that and to watch Brady Bunch. And yeah. I think the fun thing about those '90s Brady Bunch movies is they are they skewer it so well. Mm. But then after watching this episode, because again, I didn't really watch much Brady Bunch growing up. I was 100 percent aware of it. I know mm. like all the actor names. I was obsessed with like the canon and mythology of it. Um, but I was more into the movies and so like watching this episode I'm like oh yeah the movies like really nailed it yeah. like well, really nailed it and okay and maybe it's been a while since I've seen the movies and, and a long time since I watched the show but there's a point in the movies they, they kind of skewer the, the, the Marsha and Greg like there's like sexual tension between yeah. the movies right I think in the first I think is it the first one was, I think it might be in the second one okay where they were because they like we want to live in the attic. Which right. in this episode, they're living in the attic yes. together. And so I remember, because I remember as a kid thinking like, because, okay, I'm an only child and I always, I always wanted brothers and sisters. And I think that's probably this one of the reasons. This is a dream show, yeah. Yeah, why I like kind of tolerated this nonsense show where I'm just sort of like, they have so much fun together. But I do remember like as they got older, Greg and Marcia seemed weird. Like I was like, <laughs> I don't think this is how brothers and sisters are. And yeah. even in this episode, there's a couple of times where like, yeah, the way he sort of shows her, like, his prank. He's like, look at the thing. She's like, oh, let me try. I'm like, well, no, she, it's weird. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's like when she comes up to the attic to find him, it's like, it's almost like, it's like kind of in full house when, like, it's like Becky coming up to the attic where Jesse lives. Exactly, where they, it's, yeah. It's like, oh, this is your, like, home within a home. Yeah. I will also say that, and I'm probably going to bring this up a bunch in this episode, is that Brady Bunch is such a clear analog to TGIF. Like, yeah. it, it, you trace that line, um, and I think, so there's, like, Full House and there's Step by Step. So, I feel like while Step by Step is this show, I mean, it's the same thing of, like, parents with opposite, mm-hmm. like, yep. except the genders are a little bit flipped. Like, Carol yeah. had, oh wait, both the moms are named Carol. <gasps> That's crazy. Twist! That's crazy. <laughs> they have, like, two boys and a girl, and two girls and a boy, yeah. like, whatever. But it's still, it's the same show. But I feel like the actual heir to the Brady Bunch is Full House. Because yeah. the way that you just described, we watched these shows as kids, knew they were bad, but so what? Like that's how we all watched <laughs> Full House. Yes. And then also, and I think that they're they're both hit that same not that same level of watchable terribleness. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm in season six of Step by Step now, and that show is garbage and is painful. It caused my husband to have a. <laughs> Stop Violent it, reaction this morning. I can't help it. Oh my <laughs> I'm, in, God. I'm in the Bronson Pin show season, and I like I to see how oh this plays no. out. I love watching garbage. Um, but also the other thing that I find super fascinating, which I also wrote an article at work about, just cover me and reboot, just drown me in reboots already or mm-hmm. relaunches, because this isn't new. The Brady Bunch went off the air. Like, after five seasons. And then they got a cartoon. And then they got a variety special. Mm. And then they were off the air. But then they got The Brady Girls Get Married as a TV <gasps> movie that then spun off into 
another series in the early 80s what? that then was canceled and then like they're gone for seven years and then they come back with the Brady Christmas TV movie mm-hmm. that then launched an hour long Brady drama called The Brady's that was on for half a season what so the weird thing is is we're getting all this like why are you bringing all these old shows back I'm like we've always been doing this we've sure. always been bringing these shows back and the Brady Bunch being the prime example of a franchise that just would not die <laughs> <laughs> the Brady Bunch canon comprises I think two TV movies and three total live action series. So they've, they've, I mean, they've already done six seasons of movies. Plus, yeah, so, yeah, it just, yeah, it just doesn't stop. Uh, so let's get into the specific episode today. Oh boy, I cannot wait. This week on Must Have TV, we're talking about the Brady Bunch episode, Out of This World. It's the 16th episode of season five. It was written by Larry Ryan and Al Schwartz and directed by Peter Baldwin. Here's how Hulu describes the episode. The boys search for UFOs after meeting James McDivitt. Sam, how accurate is that description? I mean, that's 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 accurate. It's very um, it's not quite comprehensive of the episode. No, um, it leans heavy on the James McDivitt yeah, part which, of it. Okay, so right off the bat, <laughs> I okay. The, so the show intro, intros with like the this newsman interviewing this astronaut guy it's, about it's a the show called News Event. Is that what it was? The name <laughs> of the show was. <laughs> News event. I mean, it, it was that like that was fine, and so there's just like interview about how this astronaut saw a UFO and can't say for sure if it was aliens. But then, so they're at a TV studio. Yeah. But then he walks out, and there's Peter and Bobby just standing. It's were like they... they were doing. It's like there was like a field trip that we did not get. We're not privy to any of this information. Right. So it's kind of like the show has. Well, it's not a cold open. Let's talk about the theme song. Since it does kick off with the theme song first, first, and mm-hmm. we got it, can't talk about Brady much without talking about that theme song. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's basically just what the show is. <laughs> it's, it's it. Like, just the theme song is like the one of the most iconic opening sequences ever. I mean, I feel like that's still that nine person grid is yeah. still referenced in pop culture today. Oh, yeah, I see that all the time. All the time. But it's funny because, you know, I hadn't realized, and like now shows do this all the time, it, I hadn't, it hadn't occurred to me when I was a kid that they must have reshot that opening every couple of years yeah. because the kids are like the age they are in the show now. Yeah, then the thing that I noted, um, the first thing I wrote was, this is a curly season. <laughs> <laughs> because there's like the first, I don't know, two or three seasons of Brady Bunch, everyone has normal hair. Yeah. But then like, I don't know, like the myth or whatever is like they they, they, they did the Hawaii episode and Robert <laughs> Reed's hair like reacted to the humidity and he just like, frizzed out while they were shooting it and then so like the last season or two is just so that's his hair yeah because like it looks like a weird wig because like greg and bobby or greg and peter have like crazy curly hair but it's crazy but then what's the dad's hair's name uh mike 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 has it's like a helmet yeah it's like weird it's it is the hair almost all around on this show is upsetting to me. <laughs> yeah, except for except for Florence Henderson's hair. Yeah, and I, was I made a say, note, I was like, her hair is amazing. Carol's hair is oh the my God. only... Because, so like, all the men have these horrible, horrible, tight, curly, puby looking... Oh, it's so gross. It's, especially, I, was, I gave, like, Peter, Peter gets... Because he, he has a disgusting, long, like, dark, curly mullet. <laughs> and it is... It's upsetting. And then, but then like Carol or um Marsha and Jan have this like lifeless Well, I okay, I'll lifeless so, like law. It's just I, I mean, I I'm, I'm sort of here for like lady hippie hair cuz yeah. like it's something I've sort of always wanted my whole life. But the thing is is you have to grow it so long and then just sort of like lean into the fact that you can't it's like the it's like Janice from the Muppets like yeah. you just kind of yeah. that becomes how your body moves as you have that much hair so I sort of am in love with that look but I, I get it but then like Cindy has her same hair from when she was like and she's five child, years older and it's so creepy looking it's, she's an, a, she's like a preteen she now. now looks like like that kid from the bad seed that yeah. like murders people I'm just sort of like you're too old for this haircut she's still rocking them tight little like yeah. look mm-hmm. curls pigtails mm-hmm. Uh, so then, like, the episode does a, basically, it call, if you had not seen the opening credits, you were like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm watching news events. Yeah, it was, yeah, it just seemed like a new show. So they run through, basically the episode opens with this TV show host giving the Wikipedia summary of Jim McDivitt, because Hulu, also in their summary, just expects us to all know who he is. And Wait, honestly, like, we should. Because he's a real astronaut? Yes. He was a real astronaut? I did not realize Fucking, that. He, uh, J- James Alton, Jim McDivitt, born June 10th, 1929, so still alive. He's a brigadier general and a USAF uh, retired uh, fighter pilot. 
uh, is an American former test pilot, United States Air Force pilot, aeronautical engineer, and NASA astronaut who flew in the Gemini and Apollo programs. He commanded the Gemini 4 flight during which Ed White performed the first U.S. spacewalk, and later the Apollo 9 flight, where, where, uh, which was the first manned flight test of the lunar module, etc., etc. Wow. But then what we find out during the... I don't, I'm scrolling through to find out if this is true or not. We find out that apparently on in June 1965, Jim McDivitt saw a UFO. Mm-hmm. And this, in space. In space. And this real astronaut is on the Brady Bunch talking about how, yes, I saw a UFO. Yeah. It was during the flight of Gemini 4, Mario, in June of 1965. Could you describe this UFO for us? Yes, it was a white object. If it had been about... Well, that high, it would have been about that big around and had a long white tube sticking out of it. That changes this whole episode because I totally just thought he was like actor astronaut man. Like I didn't think, I didn't assume that a real astronaut would go on the Brady Bunch to be a plot device. And I thought he was going to come back at the end. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not seeing anything in here, like his NASA career, I'm trying to find if there's anything in 65 about him seeing a real UFO. Well, Did he say was... it was the Gemini 4 mission? Which, he said it was a Gemini mission. <laughs> I feel like, is there a Wikipedia summary of, like, how many uh, UFOs <laughs> seen during this? Yeah. Siri, which astronauts have seen UFOs? Yeah, I don't know. I, but it's just, it's weird to be like, he just goes on this show and it's yeah. like, yeah, I'll admit to this. Well, what's, to this. what's also really strange, and it's now kind of even stranger that it's a real <clears throat> astronaut, is that, like, aside from it just being a, hey... Uh, tell us about this UFO you saw, um, and that's what's you know spurs the kids to get all into it. He has this sort of little like philosophical moment. Where he- do you believe that life exists elsewhere in the universe? Yes, Mario, I really do. Uh, I think it would be very naive and really super egotistical on our part to believe that we're the only form of life in all this vast, vast universe in which we live. And and, and so it felt very like someone was kind of trying to write in this. Like philosophical, like, yeah, because he's like it's it's stupid for us to think we're the only people. He's like, I believe in UFO, which is literally just an unidentified flying object. Mm-hmm. UFO, you know, there's like a, some uh, branding issues with UFO because you say UFO, you assume alien, but like technically it just it means unidentified flying object. Yeah. And you know, Peter and Bobby do see a UFO in this episode because it is an unidentified floating on a plastic tarp object. <laughs> Uh, so afterwards, yeah, we talked about how the kid's just waiting to meet him, and I got to point out this fucking, this fucking tank top sweater oh my God. that Peter is wearing twice in this episode. Yes, I actually, it comes back. I'm actually going to put that sweater vest in the in the ring for uh, most valuable uh, this episode. <laughs> oh my God. It is, and it's not, okay, I, this is, it's a, this is an article of clothing that I honestly did not know existed until this, where it is a, it's basically a sweater tank top, because yeah. it's not a vest, which is, like, closer to the neck, it hangs, like, a kind of, like, droopy tank top you would wear to, like, the beach or something, but it is made of a thick sweater ribbed material. Yes, but it's also, it's not even just, like, kind of a loose neck, it's almost a v-neck, like, it's, oh, it's, 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 a it's scoopy, it's like, been, like, designed to, to cut low, and, like, and the, the, the straps are very thin on the side, yeah, and it's, and so the top, not even half, the top, like, quarter is bright yellow, and then yep. the bottom is it's, red, it's like, it's a must, I wrote, like, I wrote down, it is a Peter's ketchup and mustard sweater tank top, which, which is, is, which he has paired with a, like, hot pink button-up, like, pirate shirt, <laughs> like I thought it was going to explode. I was like, I can't, my brain can't process what I'm seeing on screen it's, right now. And like, and like, okay, I feel like we are. So we are both you and I are the test audience for this kind of shit. Like we are a target audience of I love retro. I'm I run a Bob Newhart style Instagram right now. <laughs> Which, again, I realized Bob Newhart's show is in, like, season two at this point. So, again, like, the fashions I'm seeing on that show are concurrent with this. And on that show, I'm like, all the stuff he wears, Mm -hmm. I would 100% wear today. It's just make the collars a little bit thinner and the ties a little bit thinner. Mm -hmm. And I'm, like, on board. This show is a garbage dump. It, it looks like everyone may or may not be on drugs. Like at one yeah. point, Carol is and Florence Henderson is gorgeous. She's got this whole like twiggy vibe going yes. on. But at one point, Mommy's she is like wearing it. this like weird blue sack dress with giant like 
that sort of curly, oh, like, yeah. white trim, and then a giant apple pocket on her yeah. side. Like, she looks like it's a baby doll dress yeah. that, like, someone <clears throat> made giant for a woman. And it's I like, liked, what? I think I liked the dress she was wearing at the end. That purple dress? Yes, that, that was, was a good a, dress. Was a nice, but that was about it for... But even the cut of that dress was not great. It was just, like, the print <laughs> was really cool, and I was like, okay, at least it's, you know, fine. Um, it makes me... It's, it's, uh... It's this. It's a. It, this show has a look. This is a. This show is a lot of look. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> like a lot. Like even down to not just the clothes, but like. And I remember again being kind of weirded out as a kid about the furniture in the kids' rooms. Like like <laughs> Peter and Bobby's room, they have like all this weird blue furniture that again feels weirdly like a dollhouse. Yeah, it doesn't feel real. It's the, the entire strange. The entire house is very like Playland. It's yeah. a. It's a weird place. Uh, and then we, so then we get the UFO sighting scene, which basically like a theremin UFO. It's gone. That couldn't have been an airplane. Not moving like that. Bobby, you know what we just saw? Yeah, UFO. A real live unidentified flying object. They, like Bobby is woken up because he hears it. It's a theremin, but yeah. we find out later that it's actually coming out of like a kazoo. Yeah, I was like, there's like, no way. <laughs> that's not accurate. Um, that's a theremin. Uh, and he looks out the window and he's basically seeing a red Devo hat is what I wrote. <laughs> it's like a red Devo hat is just like scurrying around in the sky. You see, I wrote, I wrote like a red like serving dish, like the kind mm, of like, yeah. like glass dish you'd have. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and later on, Jan says it's like a cigar shape. And I'm like, yeah, it is not no, a cigar shape. I, I thought, I didn't know if that was some sort of weird inside joke. Well, they, the UFO at the time were described as being like cigar-shaped objects. Oh. Do we, let's broach this relevant topic, UFOs and our personal interest in them. Ooh. Because I love UFOs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, yes, I'm same. I was in middle school. This is, again, really perfect episode for me. I was obsessed with aliens and extraterrestrials and UFOs and, like, X-Files was, like, my jam. Yep. And I was just convinced there was alien life everywhere and, like, we just have to find them. And, like, now I'm like, you know, there's got to be something. Yeah, I I do. (laughs) A very weird and stupid fear I have, because my husband staunchly does not believe in them. And I'm like... What if I get abducted and then you don't believe me? Oh. Is like a fear. I is like a stupid fear I have. <laughs> <laughs> See, okay, so Ricky and I have a, pl- a pact because we have we watch a lot of horror movies where like someone's possessed or going crazy, and yeah. so we have a pact where it's like you have to believe the other person if they have some sort of crazy. I like that pact. Like you got to believe them to an extent to at least try to help them. Yeah. So. I don't yeah. have that <laughs> on my own. Should I? But uh, yeah, when I was in elementary school, I remember our uh, Westington Place Elementary in Andersonville, Tennessee, had a little occult section in our elementary school library. That was where all the books about like witches and Bigfoots and UFOs were. It was mm-hmm. only like maybe half a shelf, or if that, <laughs> might have been like a dozen books. But I checked all those out religiously. I would read about like old. I don't know why these were in an elementary school library, but I was reading about like the first reported case of an alien abduction that mm-hmm. interracial couple in the early 60s, mm-hmm. um, which was also swept under the rug because they were an interracial couple in the early 60s. Preach the truth. Um, <laughs> uh, and then in college, I took a uh, debate class. Mm-hmm. Or I did like a persuasive talking class. I guess it was a debate class. Uh, it was a it was to fulfill a public speaking requirement we all had to do. Uh, and I did a, I only, I only did funny topics. I did not do anything <laughs> serious. And so one of mine was why you should be open to the idea of aliens. Yes. Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> so I did a lot of research about like abduction history and mostly when it all penetrated popular culture because mm-hmm. we all like a lot of nowadays it's like well of course you're abducting you just relay the same abduction story you've seen on x-files and all these other shows but like the first abduction story actually occurred a, i don't know it's kind of like around the same time the first one was aired in the episode of the outer limits mm-hmm. it's like what did okay. they see it did they not yeah no so anyway i love ufos <laughs> Uh, and I don't, like, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't believe in them, but also I want to. It's well, like yeah, a, it's I don't a, know. Well, it's kind of I'm agnostic like, about UFOs. Yeah, like, it's the kind of thing where it's like, I now know as much as I do about, like, how big the universe is and how there's variations yeah. and how time could, could play in different aspects of, like, the universe. So it's sort of like, even if there are, like, it, it seems like there's 
potentially alien life out there, yeah. but it's like, could they ever reach us? Could we ever reach them? It's all kind of very, like, a lot yeah. of question marks when it comes to the physics of it all, but I'm sort of like, it's possible. It's sort That's of right. like... I, like, I, in, in, uh, I think in, like, high school, I had an argument with my biology teacher where I was like, tell me Jurassic Park couldn't happen. And she was like, there's no way. There's no way to have that much time and space and whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but if you could get the money and the, t- and the time yeah. and the, and the, and the, fee-. Yep. she was like, okay, technically, maybe, yes. Yeah. I was like, that's all I need. That's yeah. all I need. I mean, Barbara Streisand <laughs> just cloned yep. her dog. So, yeah. like. So, so. UFOs could be a thing, yeah, we're is what it. I'm saying. <laughs> uh, so then, like, the next morning, they're all eating uh, breakfast in that that orange and green, that, like, hobgoblin oh. color scheme <laughs> kitchen. Not even, not even hot, because, like, those are at least bright colors. These are, like, sad, like... They're, yeah, there's... Sad orange. I, I, I oftentimes think, and I guess this episode disproves it, but in general, when you think of the 70s, I'm like, did the color purple exist in the 70s? <laughs> because everything in the 70s is like these earthy tones, like these, mm-hmm. like, not even like nicer, just the like gross earth tones, like muddy orange, yep. like dirty green, everything's just like, ugh. Everything looks like baby food. Yeah. Like, it's the same so, color as baby food. Yeah. That's all it is. <laughs> so they're all eating in the kitchen, and Greg walks in, and this is where I know he did not cut his lip shaving, as he says. That's a cover-up. Because he it? actually got into a car accident, like, the weekend before they shot this episode. Oh, yeah, because I, I wrote it down, I was like, there's no way. Why does he have this giant weird band-aid on his lip? Yeah, he's also, like, has trouble talking. Like, it's like his mouth is a little bit either numb or full with gauze, because uh-huh. he kind of has, like, a full mouth at yeah. times. Um, oh, and they're all, like, ragging on them. All the other kids are giving them giving them the business, you know. Uh, there's a really weird moment where... This isn't even the focus of the scene, but other people are talking, and Greg picks up a glass of water to drink it, and then as he brings it to his mouth, decides, I actually can't do this, and just puts the glass down. <laughs> I didn't notice that. <laughs> and I don't know if that is Greg the character, like a little side bit of business, or if that is, uh, oh, what's his name? Barry Williams' decision mm-hmm. of, like, during taping, he was like, I'm gonna drink this. Oh, wait, no, actually, I cannot. Uh, I need a straw. Huh. So then we get what I thought was gonna be a B-plot, but... This being the Brady Bunch, there are no B-plots. It's the scene where Carol is trying to take a f- picture of fruit for a magazine contest. Yeah, well, I think the B-plot of that, I think that just ended up being a way to get the camera yeah, involved. Yeah, to like, introduce the camera into the plot. And I want to point out, to listeners that are listening to every episode, you'll this will be familiar to you because this is the second episode, almost in a row, where I've had... <laughs> A magazine contest of taking pictures of fruit. <laughs> was, <laughs> that, a, was that a thing? Yeah, in The Life of Elizabeth, which is a 1953 Betty White sitcom, oh. her first ever. Oh. One of the plots of it is her husband gets a camera and he's just wanting to take a bunch of pictures to introduce them to enter a magazine contest. And one of them is taking a picture of fruit. So I guess in the 50s to the 70s, there was just a lot of fruit photo-taking competitions in magazines. Man, I could kill that now. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, I guess back when, like, the barrier to entry was, like, getting an expensive piece of equipment, because yeah. cameras weren't. I mean, and also, like, she's pr- she's proud of, like, you know, it's, I can see... Oh, Alice, the focus is so clear, I can see the buzz on that peach. You want to shoot it or shave it? Let's <laughs> shoot it. Uh, but yeah, we get a little bit of business of, like, Carol and Mike and, and, uh... What is the maid's name? Oh my god, Alice! <laughs> it's happening to my brain. <laughs> you have too much information in your brain, Brett. <laughs> I know, and Alice, I'll uh, just like having like some back and forth, and it's yeah. And then the, and then the kids eat the fruit, and it's just a wacky time. <laughs> and then Carol gives up completely. She's just like, I'm just gonna eat this fruit. Yeah, I'm like, you it. could still take a photo. Like, you lost two pieces of fruit. There's so yeah. much other fruit. Uh, and so the um. The kids, uh, Bobby and Peter, come up with their plan of like, well, we're going to camp out in the backyard mm-hmm. with that camera over there mm-hmm. and take a picture of this UFO. Now, this reminded me of another thing that we should get into that's IRL. How many times in your life have you gone hunting for the supernatural? Ooh. Mm, okay. Well, are we talking about, like, just aliens or ghosts? No, because mine is ghosts. Okay, yeah, because mine is only ghosts, and it's really only, like, twice, because here's the thing. I am fascinated by ghosts. I want to know everything about them. I am, I don't even know if I believe in ghosts, Mm because I don't necessarily have a set of beliefs that lends itself to ghosts. Um, I am terrified of ghosts. I am, even when I've had family members who are like, it's a friendly ghost. I'm like, no, it's not. (laughs) I never come into your house. Any sort of, like, supernatural thing that 
I can't see or I, it's just I'm like no I just I can't yeah that's some... I need you to tell me about it I need to not experience it <laughs> <laughs> so I've like maybe once or twice I've like kind of tried to see like is there a ghost to here and it didn't didn't go well <laughs> uh, so similar to Peter and Bobby me so this was my freshman year of college so I was significantly older than Peter and Bobby <laughs> as were all my friends so like me and no joke. Almost a dozen of my friends. It was probably like eight of us. All uh, our my friend from high school. We all went to college together. Her dad worked at an Air Force base uh, or an Army base in Smyrna, Tennessee, where I went to high school. Uh, that was you know rumored to have been built on built on a either a slave burial ground or a Native American burial ground, uh-huh. like a burial ground. The, yeah. the rumors was it was haunted because it was on a burial ground, and the people, the officers that worked there, would see shit. So we were like, she was. Like, well, yeah, my dad will let us spend the night there overnight. So we were all, of course, like, uh, uh hell yes. <laughs> so me and eight of my 18 to 20-year-old friends, like, firm adults, yeah, we, like, pack up to go spend the night there. Um, we get there at, like, eight, and, you know, the shit doesn't start going down until midnight, you know, the witching hour and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an amateur wrestling show going on in the hangar downstairs, that we uh, that uh, had a racist match in it because it was Tennessee uh, that I think involved a wrestler in a hood because again mm. good job Tennessee oh no um, and it was like this is awful so let's not be down here with all these people watching amateur wrestling that is very racist even though we did buy nachos because we were hungry well, you, know, <laughs> you gotta get nachos, nachos. Um, so we went upstairs we played true to me some board game family feud <laughs> that I had brought to entertain us until the witching hour hit. Uh, and then midnight hit, and I think her father left us there. Oh. I think we were there alone, and it was dark. Like all the lights were out because lights have got to be out. And it was we were, we were basically in what looked like a, a high school, but it was mm. it was like rows of offices and like meeting rooms. But it was you know hard tile floors and like the cement block walls, so it didn't look like you know like a like a home or anything, right. or like an office building. It was very school sterile and hard. Um, so we would like walk from room to room being like, ooh, it feels cold. Yeah. Ooh, we feel cold. Got a cold spot over here. Come. And then all of a sudden, so we were like, well, we'll leave pennies around. Mm-hmm. So we started like placing pennies because like, you know, ghosts mess with shit. I don't know if we did any research <laughs> to determine what ghosts like to do or not. Uh, and then all of a sudden we noticed the pennies were gone. No, Brad, no. Yeah. And so, and then we would feel like the pennies would get thrown. Oh my God. From one end of the hallway to the other. And no. we're all freaking out. We had a crazy ass night left. Like what the hell happened? Uh. We don't even know what that was all about. So we're like, well, we're going back in a month, right? So then like six of us went back the uh, month later and we like camped out and nothing happened. And then like a year later, I found out <laughs> my friend Chris uh, was totally throwing pennies at oh. all of us. And he was like, yeah, I was, he's like, yeah, I laughed so hard when I found out you guys went back. <laughs> so no ghosts and we got punked. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I relate to Peter and Bobby's like going to extreme methods to capture supernatural shit. Right. Um, and so like their only rules are okay, like, okay, you can camp out, but on two conditions, two conditions, right? One, you promise to get some sleep because tonight's a school night. And two, when a UFO lands, don't wake us up in the middle of the night to go out and greet him. Fair rules. I, and actually, I, I was kind of very entertained by the way, like, Mike interacts with his kids. Like, yeah. he's so, I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous, but, like, he's so sort of, like, nonplussed by everything. It's so yeah. just sort of like, okay, whatever. Just, yeah, he, you know, like, don't even kill anyone. When, like, what? Even when he sees photos that they've taken of what they think is a UFO, he's like, Well, Mike, what do you think? Well, I've come to a conclusion. And? They're either UFOs, or they're not UFOs. How's that for a definite maybe? Even your maybe doesn't sound very definite. (laughs) uh, He's like the most vanilla person you can imagine. It's crazy. (laughs) Uh, So this is where I wrote down on my notes that this, the Brady Bunch, has a good balancing of the kids' roles. And I only say this because, as I mentioned, I am watching step by step 
which is a show that is ostensibly Brady Bunch for the 90s. But Step by Step is a show that, from the get-go, is so actively disinterested in the children that it cast that are the premise of the show Mm -hmm. that it starts out with, like, Carol's mom and sister are on the show, and then also Cody moves in, and then the cousin is the main character for four seasons. And then when he leaves because he was a domestic abuser, Mm -hmm. um, they they aren't satisfied with having... Parents and six, a cast of eight, they have to bring in uh, Bronson Pinchot to play a hairdresser <laughs> and JT's friend, played by Jason Marsden. Like, <laughs> they don't care about the kids, and to the point where there are whole episodes that like half the kids aren't even in. Yeah. Whereas when I think of the Brady Bunch, I mostly think of Jan, Marsha, and Greg. Yeah. But this is a Peter and Bobby episode. Yeah, there was a lot of, like, like I was sort of impressed by, like, Peter in this episode. Or yeah. Bobby in this episode. Because yeah. it's like, he was, he always felt like, him and Cindy always felt like the youngest. And they would just sort of, especially in the beginning, they were just sort of, like, cute. Like, yeah. you can only do so much with little kid actors. <clears throat> but in this, like, he had a whole UFO fantasy of his own. Yeah, that he, he was like, a little star. Kind of killed. Um, but yeah, and again, that's kind of another thing where I think, again, the 90s movies really, like, tapped into something where it's like, the Brady Bunch, it never felt like they were out in the world. No, like, yeah. it always feels like, even if they go out into the world, it's like, they still feel very, like, insular. Like, yeah. it's like, they're so in the house, the they're all together. Cult. Yeah, that's what it feels like. <laughs> and so when the 90s movies were just sort of like, they were this weird 70s bubble that people yeah. are suddenly interacting with. It's like, that's, again, how it felt in the show at the time. I just realized the 90s Brady Bunch movies are basically the Addams Family, except instead of being creepy, they're groovy. Yeah! (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Because people come in and are like, what is this? Yeah. And And also, they're, like, equally disturbing. They're equally disturbed. Well, I think the Addams Family are a lot more fun. Like, let's be fair. God, yes. Yes. Uh... So when so basically like they're out there and then of course the UFO shows up like awesome luck holy shit yeah. and I noted that they were not at all prepared because they have the camera set up on a tripod ready to go but then they are just like sitting on the ground in sleeping bags zipped up yeah I'm like hey you got to be on the ball you need to be like sleeping with a fucking finger on that camera <laughs> yeah why is it also I mean why is it on a tripod it doesn't really need to be no no because like it needs to be able to shoot up yeah in in any direction because they don't know where they're going to see it exactly although right after that we find out there is actually only one place they're ever going to see it yep because it's a trick oh my god (laughs) Greg 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 has gone to some I don't know like not like kind of insane lengths to fuck with his little brothers. Yeah, well, yeah, like he he so he strings up a piece of plastic. Yeah, like, like a, a like a shower sheet, curtain yeah. kind of thing. He has strung it up between on a pulley system, his between... room and a tree, I guess. Yeah. And he's like controlling. So like when when the night so during the day it's like pulled taut, you can't see it, but mm. when the night comes, he like unfurls it, and then he can shine his. I guess custom flashlight or a flashlight with a custom tip on the end of it that makes it red and look like a Devo hat. Well, he had, um, cause like you can, like there are like red yeah. flashlights. And so you, like I saw for a second, he had taped okay, like a good, shape. Good. Yeah, cool. So like that at least <clears throat> made kind of sense. <laughs> and he's got the kazoo thing that makes a theremin noise. Yeah. And then Marsha sees him and she's like, So you're the UFO. <laughs> Isn't that kind of a dirty trick? I was just getting even with those two creeps for telling Mom and Dad I got home late Saturday night. Well, it's still a dirty trick. But I love it because they squealed on me last week, too. (laughs) Well, one thing that, like, immediately jumped out to me, and again, the beginning of the episode was so sort of, like, astronaut, they see him, they see a UFO. It's like, when did the kids have a chance to tell Greg about the UFO? Well, they told him in the morning at breakfast. But then when did he have the time to set all this right. shit up? Right, yeah. It's, it's sort of like the, the, the timeline and the... I don't know. It was, it was... Unless, like, some days... Honestly, pa- uh, so, like, when you enter Brady Bunch land, time True. loses all meaning. That is a good point, Because, yeah. again, Bobby just, like... Or Peter just brings out that mustard ketchup tank top. <laughs> like, what, he wears it... What feels like two days later. Yeah, like, I'm like, that shit's gotta be dirty. Or I'm just like, don't... Also, that's that's like get a somewhere. that's like a serious look. Like you can't you yeah, can't get wear some that stuff in rotation, Bobby. More than once Peter, a month, like all their names. So then, after after they see the UFO, we get the fantasy sequence. Bobby and Peter go back inside to sleep, and Bobby dreams, and he has the dream that is what makes this episode worthwhile. <laughs> is his fantasy of seeing a UFO. Uh. 
which starts with what I wrote down looks like a fast food sign version of a UFO uh-huh. because it is it's obviously made of it's obviously two dimensional like made of cardboard mm-hmm. and it's a giant UFO shaped red and white which is where the fast food like it looks very like Kentucky Fried Chicken to yes. me and it says on the front U-F-O. UFO but not even UFO it's U period yeah. F period O period yeah. like just so it's you just... know it's a UFO Oh. Uncommon fried okra. <laughs> or no, Uncle's Uncle's fried okra. In the fast food restaurant that this is. And so then out comes two uh, aliens who are like, they got their, they're like shorter actors. Apparently they are the stand-ins for the younger children. Really? Yeah, oh, show. that's so weird. They were like stand-ins and like stunt doubles for them on earlier seasons of Brady Bunch. It's a trig effect, I read. That's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, I mean, I guess it makes sense that you'd want adults to... Not have extra kids on set, but like that's yeah, because really like, like this is a show like none of them are played by twins, so they have to abide by child labor laws. Although now I'm wondering what were the child labor laws in the early seventies? I didn't think were there. Were yeah, I'm like <laughs> could they just be on they set were all just the time. Like, Here's some cocaine. Go do yeah, that. Yeah, it's like what's their active? What's their school schedule? They're, yeah. not they're not learning anything. So their look is they have green skin, and then both of them have. Not only do they have orange afro wigs on, mm-hmm. but those afro wigs are contained, barely contained by fishbowl helmets. Yeah. <laughs> so. But, and I, and I love this detail, like, the fishbowl helmets, I don't think you were supposed to be able to see this, because probably back in the 70s, mm-hmm. you couldn't have registered it, but they had holes cut out where yeah, their faces yeah, were, like obviously squares. so that they could talk. Yeah. And, and breathe. Yeah. But it was just sort of so, like, no, none of this works. Yeah. So they, like, you know, it's a cute little scene, like... Are all completions your size? No. Are all Earth people your size? Oh, no. Here on Earth, I'm very small. A Caplutus, we're very big. Whatever. And they offer Bobby to come back. And here's... The, let's talk about this trade-off. They're like, do you want to come back with us for 3,000 years? And he's mm-hmm. like, why? It's like, well, I'll, it'll only be 10 minutes. Earth time. Yeah. That's like some Doctor Who, like... I'm like, I... That's... That's... I don't... I would be like, no. That's 3,000 years. Well, I would have more questions, because it's like, are they saying... Are they saying, like, 3,000... Like, I would experience 3,000 Earth years... Oh, yeah. And then only come back 10 minutes later, or are they saying that, like... 3,000 of their years is like 10 of our minutes. Like, this would be yeah. my question. Because if it really like, only was uh, 10 like, minutes... Okay, aliens, like, how, okay. Many, how many years have we been talking right now? Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, 300. Yeah, I'm like, okay, cool. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll pop over there. Like, exactly. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Because I would, like, 3,000 years, I would not want to go anywhere for 3,000 years. Yeah, because what if it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, no. Well, I don't... Well, I feel it's more opportunity to die. You would have to survive those 3,000... Like, is your body going to age? Right. And how is your body aging relative to what? Yeah. And then I'm like, well, 3,000 years, I might, you know, get, I might get adventurous. I want to go to some space adventures. But then, like, is that 3,000 years of, like, living carefully and dangerous out of outer space in right. order to return back 10 minutes later? Yeah. Bobby, thank God it's a dream. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, and I love, <laughs> okay, this was one of, the, this was a detail that I was really entertained by. So, the spaceship lands, the aliens come out, and, and Bobby's sort of like, oh, my God. And then, just to sort of remind the viewer that this isn't really happening, yeah. we get, like, a five-second shot of fading back to showing Bobby's asleep, yeah. and then fading back into the dream. It was very much like, hey, kids, I know this is getting pretty intense. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it was. It was very, like, this isn't real, there really aren't aliens here, just a reminder. Yeah, that makes me think of, like, yeah, we shouldn't be too hard on this show, because I guess it is aimed at seven-year-olds, yeah. even though it is parading as an adult, sit- or like a, you know, it's in prime time on a network. And not on Saturday mornings. So, like, he wakes up, and then they basically, like, call, uh, the Air Force. Like, <laughs> I love, like, we both are, like, call the astronaut. <laughs> yeah. You can't just call an you astronaut. Can't just call, like, Mike Brady just calls the Air Force base and yeah. is, like, telling him, like, hey, we get UFOs. And so, the Air Force base, like, passes the buck off to the local cop who comes over and is just, like, pissed. I'm here to investigate an alleged sighting of an alleged UFO. Oh, that. Come in, please. I thought Mr. Brady reported that to the Air Force. He did, but the Air Force stuck the police department with it. You see, the Air Force refuses to keep investigating things that don't exist. And I share their opinion. Then how come you're here investigating something that doesn't exist? Because I only have two more years to go for my pension. (laughs) He is old, angry, has awful teeth. Uh Like... 
<laughs> some of the worst teeth I've seen on television. They're like very brown and uh, angry looking. Um, and he's not having it. Uh, and he, they, while he's there, they, uh, wait, who goes up? Because he sees a UFO. Does Marsha go up and do it? No, no Marsha's oh, downstairs. Because no, Greg is showing. He's like, yeah, Dad, that's... look. And it's like, why didn't you just say it right there? Yeah. Like, why did you take your dad upstairs? Greg and Marsha are worried because, like, oh, shit, like, the feds are involved. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so they, like, Mike, or Greg, there's so many fucking names in the show, Greg pulls Mike aside <laughs> to be like, BT Dubs, let me take you upstairs, let me show you what this UFO actually is, instead of just telling everyone. Yeah. Um, and so while he's up there doing a demonstration, downstairs the cop sees it and, like, has a pretty, like, he freaks out. Calls. Well, calls it in. Yeah, and, like, his were, uh, his reversal of being so, like, yeah. UFOs aren't real, and then seeing this, like, little laser pointer dot that's like <laughs> hanging in midair he's like oh my god yo, they're yo, real yikes. i'm just like oh are you yeah. oh no it's so great oh. <laughs> he calls it in he calls it in and then he wants peter to take photos of him calling in this historic uh yeah. sighting he's like i saw him on two eyes it's pretty great uh so the end of this episode like it's all called off like they find out it's not real all cool this so the wrapping up of this episode made me realize the lesson of this episode is a very season five lesson to learn. Like, they've run through all the, like, cookie-cutter lessons, all the beginner lessons, some of the intermediate lessons, the pains of growing up lessons. We are now at, in season five, episode 16, at the lesson of, hey, don't prank UFOs. <laughs> don't, don't, don't convince your little siblings that there are UFOs. What? And it's so funny, like, that is the speech that's given in a way, that is the lesson we take away from this... <laughs> It's so it's so weird because it's like so that to me this was Peter and Bobby's story. This is their episode. They they you know they have this vision and they find the UFO and they're so excited. But then in the end, like one, we don't ever actually see them find out it wasn't real. Right? Yeah. It just and ends. like yeah, they like they just suddenly go away and suddenly it's the parents disciplining Greg. Yeah. And it's like Greg <laughs> having to be like, oh, I shouldn't have done it. But it's like I wanted to see them react and yeah. be sad. That their discovery... And then get their comeuppance to be like, well, Greg also did this. Exactly. Or no, well, no, actually, they already knew that. That's why he did it. But whatever. But it's like, <laughs> they had gone to school and told all these people, and it's like, I wanted them to have Some this embarrassment, moment... Yeah. Of, of either being like, yeah, sad or embarrassed, or <clears throat> kind of like, you know what? It was it was worth it. Like, And then do the thing that all the Christmas episodes do, where the very end of the episode is like... It's really it's real. It's real. There's like something outside, and there's like, my flashlight isn't even working. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> they didn't do that. We just got the lesson of... Hey, don't don't do it. Don't perpetuate UFO hoaxes. Right. <laughs> Cuz you'll make this air force or this policeman angry. Angry. Oh my god. Okay. So, are you ready to move on to some must have facts? Okay. <laughs> one day when the lady met this fellow and they knew that it was much more than a hunch. That this group must somehow form a family. That's the way we all became the Brady Bunch. The Brady Bunch. The ratings for the Brady Bunch are just not known or not easy to find because the show never broke into the Nielsen Top 30. Oh. It was never a hit. That's cr- that's so weird to me. Yeah. It only, like, it was never a hit while it was on. It was only, it eked by to get renewed every season it was on. And mm-hmm. then it was, can- I mean, like, it has five seasons, which is the bare minimum to get into syndication. Yeah. Like, it got there and then it was gone. It became a hit because it was then run in afternoons, like, five days a week. Right. And all the kids who, I guess... I mean, I guess, like, the kids that were alive when it was on, uh, or, like, a hot second later, loved it. And that's, like, and then it was on syndication of the 70s and 80s. And yeah. that's where it became Yeah, because it's, like, it's, like, I just, I always just grew up assuming that this was a beloved TV show that it, everybody loved. Because yeah. it's on all the time. It feels like it is the most 70s show to ever exist, and so therefore mm. it feels like it had to have been the most popular show of the 70s. Yeah. But no, like, that was probably, like, All in the Family or something. <laughs> Which, if you look at the top five, uh, shows of the season this aired... So the 1973-74 TV season, the top five shows were five, Hawaii Five-0, four, MASH, three, Sanford and Son, two, The Waltons, and one, All in the Family. Yep. Yeah. Those are good shows. Yeah. And it's also weird to think that the Brady Bunch aired at the same time as any of those. That is true. Yeah. I mean, Waltons and Brady Bunch, I can right. see together. Um, like, yeah. Waltons is sort of like the drama version to me yeah. of Brady Bunch. But then, like, MASH and All in the Family... 
So it's like the 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 main thrust of the conversation is all in the family, mm-hmm. and it like pushing borders and like doing all this intellectual like smart cutting edge shit. And then the Brady Bunch is also on <laughs> at the same time. I love that. So the ABC Friday night lineup at this time of the season was at 8 o'clock, the Brady Bunch. Mm-hmm. At 8.30, the $6 million man. Mm. An hour-long show starting at 8.30. Weird. Weird. And then at 9.30, the odd couple. <laughs> and then at 10, Toma, which was a one-season-long cop drama that was... That the star was like, peace out, I don't want to do this anymore after the end of the season. They retooled it, renamed it Beretta, and it ran ah. for four more seasons. Which I kind of heard of Beretta before. Um, but not really. But that, that Friday Night lineup, which I guess is AB, that's a proto-TGIF, ABC Friday Night. Yeah. That is insane. Yeah. The Brady Bunch, an hour-long, like, fantasy cop, like... Six million dollar man. I mean, like, like Brady Bunch, six million dollar man, and the odd, odd couple. couple. I mean, that, that's a very like family lineup, though. Like, I feel like you, you would sit down like with your family probably and just sit yeah. in front of the TV and watch that. Well, I guess like the Brady Bunch comes on, the young kids are like, "Cool, now you guys gotta go to bed." Yeah, saw your Brady Bunch going to bed, and then like the teens, like, cool, six million dollar man <laughs> action, and then like the parents, like, yes, the odd couple, a. Like, very mature, playwritery sitcom, yeah. which is, it's so, it's weird. The Odd Couple and the Brady Bunch, in my mind, occupy such different, like, good 70s sitcom, and then, like, campy as hell 70s sitcom. The fact that they aired in such close proximity to each other, <laughs> it blows my mind. Like, it seems to me like Brady Bunch should have been paired with, like, Happy Days. Yeah, well, were those even but, on at the same time, though? Uh, no. I feel like th- those were earlier, yeah, right? Or no? no? Happy Days was... Mork and Mindy was late 70s, and Happy Days ran for a very long time. I think it I think it might have started around this time, like okay. 73, 74. Okay. Yeah, because in my head, those are all the same type yeah. of show as well. They should have, but they did not. Um, on IMDb, 77 users rated this episode a 7.3. <laughs> wow, okay. So would you go higher? <laughs> I mean, again, I don't know, because... You know, what do numbers even mean when you're talking about the Brady Bunch? <laughs> yeah, because it's like, even... Okay, so even within the universe of the Brady Bunch... I mean, this wasn't a bad No, I, I will honestly say, like... <laughs> I, I Yeah, this, like... I have watched some garbage for this show. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, specifically, like, the Blossom uh, uh, gun violence episode we watched was, like, almost unwatchable. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, compared to that, yeah. I'm like, this, like, this was a riot. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, it, yeah, it, it, there were there were things I didn't know. I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. I was surprised, like, twice. I was just yeah. like, oh, okay, this is what's happening now. And, I don't know, I, I believed people. It, it's, yeah, I guess. Seven. I don't know. Yeah, I'd say, I'd 6. say 6.9. Yeah. 6.8. I agree. But a couple going notches in. down. Yeah. Still okay. Yeah. And that's only in terms of like a Brady Bunch episode. I think all of TV, you're going like a four. Like yeah, three. exactly. I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not chucking with that junk. <laughs> so, who would you say had the must-see performance in this episode? I think I'm going to give it to, I mean, hat tip to uh, Peter's sweater tank top thing, for sure. Um, but then I'm going to give it, I think I'm going to go with Bobby. You know? Oh, I, yeah. thought, I thought he had a really great, fun little, like, I, 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 was, I expected for us to see Aliens. Like, in this episode. I figured that was going to happen. Yeah. And what we got was very different than what I was expecting. And I thought he played it really well. Like, yeah. he was having a fun time with He's it. He's a good little actor. Yeah. Uh, I will be... I'll, I will give it to uh, James Flavin, who played Captain McCartney. Because, <laughs> I don't know, I like that cop. <laughs> he was uh, he was dumb all around. He... Yeah. <laughs> to, to be honest, he came on and he... Uh, he stood out in a cast of seemingly millions, <laughs> considering I can't keep being their name straight. He overacted. He was aggressive. When he, you could tell he was angry, angry, and then he was excited, excited. And I was like, I am here for that. So watch his performance. Must other people see this episode? I think if you're, you know, entertained by Brady Bunch type of TV, sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think if you, I mean, yeah, I. I'm sure there are other Brady Bunch episodes. Honestly, like, if you watch the movies, watch, honestly, watch the movies. I, yeah, I feel like... That's I, what it, I actually it, recommend. It could be a really fun, like, viewing experience to take a certain set of Brady Bunch episodes and, like, watch them and then a movie and then some episodes yeah. and then the other movie. Yeah. That could be a really fun Because the, the movies are fun in that they basically take 
the plots of a dozen Brady Bunch episodes and then mm. mash them all together underneath an overarching plot. Yeah. Which, is, which I remember in college, I was like, I want to write the Full House movie that does this exact thing. That <laughs> takes a dozen Full House plots and then rad. like jams them together. And this is not a plot that was ever adapted in any of those two movies. No. Um, but it is still, it's bizarre. I had a lot of fun watching it because it keeps you guessing. It is a, I'm not going to say it's like eye candy. It is a, it's going to give your eyes a lot to look at. Yeah, There's a lot to look at. You're gonna. It's it's a good it's a good show to watch with friends yeah. and then sort of like riff on it and yes. and, and look at each other in amazement. And of also what's like and I do I do think like with Full House this is a good kind of bad. Yeah. I think that because it, it is not it's never boring. <laughs> God knows it is never boring. Uh, so let's move on to my favorite segment of the show. Okay. New segment from the great TV sitcom book. So this is a book Ooh. written by Rick Mitz that was published in 1983. <laughs> so uh, according to this book, Cheers is a struggling show that oh. they don't know if it's going to be a hit. That's how old this book is. <laughs> but it catalogs pretty much every sitcom that was on the air from 1949 to 1983, oh. including tons and tons of ones that only lasted one or two seasons. I am going to flip through this book. You'll tell me when to stop, and then that we will talk about one of the episodes uh, or one of the series on that page. Oh, okay. So whenever you want, say... Uh, stop. Okay. So this is in the Happy Day segment, so we will move to... Because that's multiple pages... The 19th, oh, wow, this is the TV season we were just talking about, the same year as the episode. Ah. So do you want to hear about Adam's Rib, oh boy, Ooh. Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, uh. or Colucci's Department? Um, I think I want to hear about Colucci's Department. <laughs> okay. So Colucci's Department, uh, funny man, oh, and also Rick Mintz has a personality, so that there could be um, some witty asides in this. <laughs> I always say that, this is not an encyclopedia. So... Colucci's department, funny man James Coco portrayed the supervisor of a branch of the New York State Unemployment Office where he dealt with the unemployed, of which he was soon to be one. Mm. Oh, I think that means the actor was about to get fired. Oh, no. And his own multi-ethnic staff. He also had to deal with the government red tape. Plus, he was in love with his secretary, Shirley, played by Candy Azara, who possibly did or did not return his affections. We'll never know. CBS canceled the show after only three months of foreplay. Oh my Ooh. god, foreplay. Yeah, that's that's what I mean by him having a personality. So yeah, it only lasted three months. And uh, it was set in the New York State Unemployment Office. That's interesting. Like, that actually could be a really fun show. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, like... I don't think I've ever... I mean, I've never heard of this show. Of course not. Ever. No. <laughs> but, like, I don't think I've ever... You know, gov- there haven't been that many shows set in government offices, aside from, like... Parks and Recreation. And then, like, uh, Spin City. Yeah. I mean, West Wing, that's a drama. Um, oh, that's an uh, unemployment office. But, like, it's yeah, like a very specific, like... Because has there ever been a show about the DMV? No. Because I feel like both of those would be, like, rich I mean, there's with... Night Court. That's, like, courts. Um, I remember the uh, Norm McDonald's 90s sitcom, Norm, he was a social worker. Okay. And he was, like, a social worker that was uh, there on probation or something. <laughs> I don't know. But, again, like, so, I don't know, social worker is not the same as unemployment office, but it's still, like... That's an interesting premise. Yeah. I uh, Colucci's Department. I'm going to say first of all, someone should pitch this. Bad name for a show. Colucci's Department. I don't I, know what that is. Well, I thought I I picked it because it sounded like like a department store. Like, yeah, or I, I was like a police department. Yeah. I was thinking of that unemployment office. I would not thought of. Um, but like I like that you know apparently diverse staff, multi ethnic yeah. staff. Uh-huh. Now again, this is 1983, so the 1983 version of multi ethnic might have been like there was a black person right. in the cast. Um, or like an Italian person and an Irish person, because <laughs> that's uh, such diversity. Yeah, our definition of diversity has actually grown. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm interested in to learn more about that show, but we'll never know. Yeah, and, and it, like in coming back to uh, the ideas of uh, reboots and retakes, like going back and maybe finding shows that weren't successful but great or had great, yeah like good like premises and like actually working with them and giving them some life instead of being like well here was a show that was already well of course they're like there was a show that was already successful yeah we don't want to gamble so let's just bring back Rose Animal and Grace right but think of all the things we know about TV and what works and what doesn't yeah compared to what what is this 40 years ago yeah I mean you got 44 years ago I'm like I mean I'm digging the idea of an unemployment I what does an unemployment office look like in 2018? I mean, it's, it's, it's like, like physically, what does it look like? Well, because I, like when I was on unemployment, I was all online. And I never had to go anywhere, which is... I, I was unemployed a couple of years ago when I was in New Jersey, um, and I had to go. And it, yeah, it's just like an, it's like a, it's like a desk, and then, yeah. and it, it's, 
probably similar to like Parks and Rec, the other offices. Yeah. Like. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the reward-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So that, yeah, that's a cool premise. And also, you know, relevant. Yeah. If we're looking for more, like, you know, middle America, blue collar, things that actually Mm -hmm. speak to the actual working class. And also... This is a universal experience. This yeah. is not just like yeah, steel get, workers yeah. losing their jobs or like people not, you know, older people who are not at retirement age yet, but their industries have fallen away because mm-hmm. of just like the horribleness of the world we're living in. Yeah. But it's also young people who mm-hmm. are entering a hostile job market and we don't have the like tools or the job availability because companies like to prey on young employees by not paying the money so yeah this is the thing like these you could get all types of people mm-hmm. in this show yeah set it in like michigan mm-hmm. have like everyone all walks of life yeah That'd I want, be I want, yeah i want like a grumpy angry like nick offerman type of main character yeah. and then surround him with wacky other people who you got you got your millennials who were former uh who were former well-paid bloggers at yep. sites that have now pivoted to video <laughs> And then you also have, uh, you know, um, a whole bunch of uh, cashiers and people that work at mm-hmm. chain stores that now don't have jobs because all of our stores are closing. Yeah. All of them are. And yeah. pretty soon we're going to have nothing, nowhere to go, nowhere to work. Yeah. This is more relevant now than ever. Yes. Kalucci's Department 2018-2019 TV season. <laughs> Need to see it come back. Uh, that might be the best uh, one we've done so far on this show. Yeah, I, I, I'd really like to see that show. That'd be a lot of fun. Oh, thank you so much for coming out and talking about the Brady Bunch. Thank you for having me. This was a this was a fun experience. You know, this was like I mean, when you think about sitcoms, I honestly I didn't bring this up as like the Brady Bunch. It's one of the top mm-hmm. in terms of like cultural awareness, yes. not quality. Yeah. <laughs> but in terms for of when, sure. you, when you think of sitcoms, you do eventually like think of the Brady Bunch. I yeah. think most people our age and older, if you're told name 20 sitcoms, Brady Bunch is probably going to be in yeah. one of those 20. Yeah. Especially, especially if we're talking about like all time sitcoms. Yeah. Like right now I can tell you my top 20 now. that are like on TV now. It's like basically. name like the most 20 like impactful sitcoms. I think like Brady Bunch is definitely one of them. Yeah. Uh, especially because, this is another thing I want to, uh, we don't do family sitcoms on the show often because I'm more inclined to the work found family ones, mm-hmm. but I am, inter- I am curious to know if the Brady Bunch actually did like course correct the type of family sitcom we got, because in the 60s, from my, again, I don't know, your Donna reads your Leave it to Beavers. Mm-hmm. Focusing on the parents, the kids are like scene stealers and will have like plots. And, yeah, like, you know they're fun. Brady Bunch is like mostly about the kids. Yeah, and then what you see in like the eighties, especially in TJF era, is those shows are about the kids. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know what the impact that Brady Bunch had on how we do family sitcoms. Yeah, well, see, I was always fascinated by Brady Bunch because like it's the kind of show where it's like, there's a certain set of shows that I watched as a kid that my mom also watched as a kid. Yeah. Which to me has always been like fascinating because that's not really a thing anymore. Oh no, but that's a thing with Full House. <laughs> oh God, we're old. Yeah. But that's 100% true. That's yeah. why Fuller House exists. Like, and also shit like Friends mm-hmm. in The Office. The Office is a new one. Like all of our interns at work are all 20 Mm-hmm. And can't stop watching The Office. Aw, well, that's nice. And it's like, oh, but it's, <laughs> like, what is the appeal? Like, I understand the appeal for me when that started, like the British version of the American version of the early 2000s, because at the time it was like, 
oh, this is a this is messing with the structure that mockumentary style was yeah. not overdone. Yeah. It like this, so it felt narratively daring when you were watching it when it was first on. And so now it's like kids now are watching it for comfort food. Right. Like, oh, well, wow. but what's what's different now though is that like kids are watching shows that are actually good because yeah. they're good. But it's like when we oh. were kids, we just had to watch whatever was on what, TV. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of it was uh, the single guy and step by step. <laughs> yeah. And Full House and Brady Bunch. Yeah. Uh, anyway, where can people find you on the internet if they want to talk to you about the Brady Bunch? You can... Uh, specifically. You can... Uh, if you want to talk to me about the Brady Bunch, uh, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Samacorn. That's like a unicorn, but Sam. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, at Samacorn, uh, for all my pretty pictures and things. Yes! <laughs> Groovy! <laughs> dun, 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 dun. And that does it for this week's episode of Must Have Seen TV. Thanks again to my guest Sam Walker for dropping by and talking about the Brady Bunch with me this week. And next week, I'll be discussing the Mr. Ed episode, Ed the Beachcomber. Ed the Beachcomber is in Season 2 of Mr. Ed. It is Episode 23 of Season 2 of Mr. Ed. And you can stream that Mr. Ed episode on Hulu. Until then, I want to hear from all of y'all. Tweet your questions about sitcoms to at Must Have Seen TV, or you can send them to musthaveseentv at gmail.com. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr at at musthaveseentv. If you like what you've heard, please rate and review the show in iTunes. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at at Brett White. Read the words that I write at decider.com. The theme song is Patricia's Moving Picture by The Go Team. Thanks to Acast for hosting the podcast. Thanks to all y'all for listening. And I'll see you next week on Must Have Seen TV. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.